On this episode of the Flophouse, we discuss wild hogs. It's like city slickers with twice as much leather. Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Elliot Kalen. I'm Rich Duncan. Yes, Elliot has returned from his exodus uh, covering the conventions with The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. However, Stuart now is gone. Apparently, we cannot have all three of us in the same room. The new anymore. Flop House rule that there cannot be all three Flophousians what is, in, in one place at the one time. What is this bitter feud that you have with Stuart, Elliot? Stuart's a great guy. It's not my fault if uh, he refuses to be seen with me. You know, he's just wearing his scorpion belt buckle somewhere else right now. Uh, he does have a very large belt buckle that has a scorpion in it. And it's when awesome. I say a scorpion, we mean one that used to be alive, like a real scorpion. In An the, actual scorpion. In like a glass bubble. Imagine there was a scorpion paper weight, and then imagine that that paper weight <laughs> was, was on a belt. A belt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, Stuart, I'm sure, feel, would feel like he missed nothing from this movie since there was no female nudity. Uh, yeah, and, and it was terrible, and nothing blew up. No, actually, that's not true. There was one explosion. This is my second time I've, yeah, I've been on the. Yeah, we should reintroduce Rich to the Flophouse audience. Rich was with us for Good Luck Chuck. Oh, right. I blocked uh, that out. Um, <laughs> he was the editor of Just Magazine. <laughs> you only get the bad comedies. He uh, He's a stand-up. He's currently uh, writing a comedic book about werewolves. Yes. And yeah, he, he apparently is the guy we call when we're going to watch a comedy, <laughs> which is a bad thing because, as you uh, probably know, if you're a bad movie aficionado, a bad horror film or a sci-fi or a thriller... Often very funny. Bad comedy is usually painful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is you see, a, it, it works both ways. Where a bad horror movie will change uh, I- into into a good comedy because you have the same tension and release in horror and comedy. It's very similar the way those two film genres work. However, when you are expecting a comedy and it goes backwards and it turns into horrible, then it's uh, you don't you didn't want horror and it's uh, it's horrifying. Pardon me while I belch. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a regular good. Algonquin round table here at the Flop House. <laughs> uh, yeah. Have another witty Bon Mott there, Dan. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but what movie did we watch today, Mr. McCoy? We, did, we watched uh, Wild Hogs, a star-studded vehicle. This is one of the most star-studded movies we've seen. Yeah. With, um, I think, one star in it that I think we can all agree we like and mm-hmm. others that we don't. Let's, we uh, may have well, mixed opinions on Let's announce the four stars, and then you... The podcast listener in your brain can guess who we liked, <laughs> and then we will reveal it. So this movie starred Tim Allen, uh, John Travolta, Mar- John Travolta, Martin Lawrence, and William H Macy. So take a moment to ponder. <laughs> but what, were- what, what are we pondering again? Who out of the four of them, who we thought was passable in this film? Okay. Yeah. But there were a lot of there were a lot of smaller parts also played by stars. Yeah, there was a uh, Ray Liotta, Ray Liotta, Marissa Tomei, uh Steve, the, the Sklar Steven, brothers. I don't know if those are brothers. Those are stars to us. Yeah, Maybe yeah. Twin, twin comedians, funny very funny stand-ups. Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. Yeah. I Steven can never... Toblerowski, the actor's name. The, d- the dude from Scrubs. Yeah. Oh yeah. John C. McGinley. Yeah. Yeah, KG from Tenacious D. In an all singing A galaxy part. of stars. A galaxy of <laughs> 
as I was saying, we were watching it. It seemed like there was the regular director who wanted to make a shitty movie, and then like an assistant director who was like, "I'll just hire a lot of comedy yeah. people. <laughs> let's get some cult figures in here. Yeah. Hey, KG from <laughs> Tenacious D. Uh... Why don't you show up as a guy who just sings in shots that are completely unrelated to the rest of what's going yeah, on? In sort the movie. of like a gay Western disco. <laughs> That'd um, be funny. It's good in contrast to the other gay jokes, though. This was packed with gay jokes, and then there was one other gay joke that seemed to rise above the rest. Yeah, well, as you said, uh, Rich, this movie was a lot of montages of motorcycling through the country. Motorcycling, that's the verb, right? Motorcycling? Yeah, motorcycling. Uh, And in between, there was a lot of gay panic humor. Mm Mm-hmm. Where, uh, I mean, I don't know why... I saw that that movie, Gay Panic. (laughs) So in the '60s, where the guy was, the terrorists were going to set off the gay bomb. It was going to turn everybody gay. There was a panic, and then Walter Matthau and uh, Bruce Dern were able to discover its location. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine was terrifying <laughs> as the leader of the gay terrorists. <laughs> the, taking, uh, the taking of gay panic. One, two, three. Ernest Borgnine in all pink. But um, yeah, that was that was the sort of level of homosexual humor you could expect. <laughs> well, this from was wild well, hogs. you can understand the movie about four guys who are vaguely dissatisfied with their middle aged life who take a motorcycle trip cross-country wearing leather and are caught in a series of situations that imply that they're gay. And then they vociferously doesn't deny their gayness. And honestly, but the movie takes a bizarre left turn when they piss off some bikers and get punched in the face like a million times. <laughs> I think that this movie like would make a lot more sense if you, if you read it for subtext and you just believed that these are actually four gay men who are coming to terms with their sexuality. And to that end, they take a trip across country. But the, yeah, I can see that. Well, similar to my theory that Jaws two would be a better movie if there was no shark in it, and it was just <laughs> it, it was just Roy Scheider, you know, insisting that there was a shark this time, <laughs> and it was post traumatic stress disorder the entire time, and it turned out there was no shark. So like I, a curse of the cat people to Jaws the the first Jaws is cat people. <laughs> yeah. There's no actual cat people in the second movie. I didn't know that. I yeah, it's seen, just uh... it's just about a little girl's overactive imagination. <laughs> That's sort of, exactly sort of what Jaws 2 should have been. Well, we're getting off topic from Wild Hogs, which oh, I we'll think get, is... I think we'll get off topic. We'll circle back. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that, uh, you know, if these guys actually were gay men the entire time, and that uh, they, they had been engaging in gay sex acts that would then be revealed in a big flashback... Although all I'm doing is getting around to the idea of this is how wild hogs would be better. And an exercise <laughs> of so many. how, you yeah. know, if William H. Macy were to catch fire and die, that would make it, you know. Well, there are occasional, occasional jokes where they went very big in terms of, like, crazy things happening. Like John Travolta being hit in the face by a raven while he was driving his yeah. motorcycle. Where it was like, oh, somebody had a sense of humor who worked on this. But otherwise it was a lot of, you know... But he, but I, no, you know, and so forth. But without the funny sound effects. Yeah. I was kind of wondering, before we started recording, do you think the screenplay of Wild Hogs was written and then these guys read it and were like, I got to be in this project? Or uh, Disney or whoever made it said, listen, we have Tim Allen, John Travolta, Martin Lawrence, and William H. Macy under contract. Someone write an idea. Someone write a movie around these. I thought for a second that you'd be like, Wild Hogs was floating around. It was like it was like for a years. Shane, it was like a Shane Black screenplay. Someone had <laughs> bid like millions of dollars for the screenplay. Yeah. This gold screenplay. And they're like, all right, give me a list of four um, middle-aged actors, uh, three Caucasian, one black, and uh, we're going to put them in a zany road picture comedy. Or like, the, it was like the script for Unforgiven where it had been around for about 20 years, and then finally the right people picked it up, except it was a terrible script as opposed to the one for Unforgiven. 
Well, this was it was it was a radical comedy experiment where they're like, all right, what if there's four straight men <laughs> and no all jokes. out on the road? And they're all just constantly setting up a potentially humorous situation. Well, I think I think you've reached one of the main problems of the movie, which is that every one of them had the same personality and no, yeah. except for William H Macy, who was the nerd. Well, let's start. And Martin Lawrence, who was the the vaguely black guy. He also couldn't stand up to women, which would have been easier to ascertain if there were any women in the film that he there could was not that, stand up to. The one woman he glanced at earlier in the film, and then his his voice activated Mac laptop. Oh, misheard him and started looking up very loud porn sites. This in the is middle- Martin Lawrence, I'm talking about. Oh, Oh, Martin Lawrence. Oh, yeah, well, they, they showed him being yelled at by his wife while he worked on his how-to book, which they never explained what it was about. That's right. Yeah, how-to do His what? wife goes, listen, I know your how-to book will be a big hit, but you need to start making money. It's like, what? You can't just say a how-to book Look, and expect us. Ellie, you don't realize America <laughs> has a real thirst to learn how-to. <laughs> I guess you're right. So. I've always wanted to know how-to. That might have been the through line of truth, though, in the movie, where the person who wrote this was actually attempting to write a how-to book and somehow wrote wild hogs yes instead <laughs> like while procrastinating from writing his how-to book how to write a hit but did you want to circle comedy. back around and do no, the plot I, wanted again, to, I wanted to start from the from the beginning so we don't lose the audience because um wild hogs has so many in so many outs <laughs> so many inter- yeah um, it, it goes it goes wild hogs on the levels of complexity it goes last year at marion bad <laughs> wild hogs and then i guess uh what woman in the dunes or el topo <laughs> in terms of complexity and, yeah. and hard hardness to penetrate yeah so this movie starts out with um there's four guys you know played, who own motorcycles played by your favorite actors <laughs> <laughs> they do and, own motorcycles and leather jackets and are part of a motorcycle gang called wild hogs yeah, they already have the they already have leather jackets with the logo and name on it any film viewer someone who's seen mainstream hollywood movies over the past 20 or 30 years let's say 45 years yeah you might believe that something drives these characters to become a motorcycle gang called the wild hogs yeah no once we join them they're already a wimpy motorcycle gang. They're already a suburban <laughs> yeah. motorcycle gang of four. Like, One of whom cannot guys. ride his motorcycle. So here's the way I would have structured this movie. I would have had right. these four guys who are friends explain how they became friends because they're really very, you know, they don't explain totally it different. ever. And they're not that, they're similar in that they have no personality, but otherwise they're not similar. Different socioeconomic backgrounds, different ethnic groups and so forth. Uh, I would have had them lament how boring their lives are, and then one of them would have seen that four motorcycles were for sale across the street at the motorcycle warehouse, mm, and they right. can he come on guys, let's let's join a motorcycle gang. We've yeah. always wanted to do this, and you Born know what? To be wild starts playing, that, and somehow they see like two signs back, like one says like Wild Animal Park, and then like a hogs truck backs up in front <laughs> of the sign, go. and it says Wild Hogs. That should be our name. And then Born to Be Wild starts playing, and they drive off. Like you would, the inciting event of the movie should be them buying motorcycles and going on a mo- bike trip. But, but instead, you're, you're forgetting, though, that I think that the it should be just the three friends and then William H. Macy, who's the nerd that they all hate, is just fixing their computer. He sees there's a motorcycle. He joins to be in the gang. Nobody wants that guy. See, yeah, that would bring a dynamic and, that doesn't exist. And to well, he he like because of his many hours on the internet, mm-hmm. where all information <laughs> resides, he knows everything about motorcycle repair. So he becomes a valued member of the group. Instead, what happens is 
These four friends already own motorcycles. They're already bad at driving them. William H. Macy falls off his all the time in ways that would kill a man or at least <laughs> snap his neck in real life. Or another person. Yeah, I mean, or the motorcycle flies person. into the street. No, he's a danger to, yeah, to everyone. He's he's hazard. He should not be riding a motorcycle. No. And they're, but they're hanging out together, and they're unhappy that they're not a real motorcycle gang. And then someone drops by with the news that Tom Peterson passed away, a character who's... who's Tom Peterson, Elliot? Tom he, Peterson. He was our age. <laughs> Tom Peterson, as we learned from the dialogue, was their age and is now dead. He was never mentioned before and he will never be mentioned again. He's, it's like just a name, but they've conjured up this whole human figure who existed and is dead now uh, just for the purpose of pushing the plot forward slightly. And there was something insulting to the idea of Tom Peterson in that. But they didn't even. I mean, they still wanted to go on the trip before Tom oh, Peterson yeah. they died. Were, they were going to go on the trip before Tom Peterson died. Tom this Peterson just, you know. pushed Tim Allen <laughs> over the edge. He's like, oh well, if Tom Peterson died, then oh man, Tom Peterson. We Tom, don't know what his relationship yeah. is to Tim Allen. I guess we don't Tom know Peterson how they was him. always talking about taking a trip across country. <laughs> this is in honor of Tom Peterson. Tom Peter, like at the end of at the end of Wild Hogs, there should have been in memoriam Tom Peterson. But they don't even tell you how he died. Is the other thing you yeah. just know that he he could have died because a safe fell on his head. You know, like. Or because no, I think they would have kept that in. Well, yeah, this is maybe. also something that I like bothers me. This maybe he committed suicide. Like I don't know. I know what you're saying. This is sort of a city sl- slicker setup where it's like these uh, men have sort of like midlife let's call them, onks. Let's call them city slickers for lack of a better <laughs> yeah, term. Yeah. These city slickers who have <laughs> no business being on a motorcycle. They have uh, they're unsatisfied with their lives, but th- their lives don't seem that bad. No. You know, like, uh, the worst of them is John Travolta, who apparently his, like, he has, like, this wife who is, who has abandoned him and he's broke. Mm-hmm. And he's obese. Yeah. And, and, he, he's, and he's John Travolta. And he's gay and doesn't he's, want to admit he's, it. Yeah. He's a closeted gay man. Um, <laughs> Who's lo- losing his, his shape and his, any acting ability he I, once had. I thought as, as an actor, though, it was amazing the way he wove into the performance that he was a closeted gay man. The script didn't well, mention it. It never called for it. But clearly he was a man who was obese and was gay and upset <laughs> about it. And he brought that to the role, that's even method. though it didn't seem like it was mentioned in the script well, at all. that's your yeah. classic method. He's mm-hmm. just, you know, and, and, using his own experiences to bring the character to life. What do you mean? <laughs> and let me be clear although wild hogs was a uh strangely anti-gay movie this is not an anti-gay podcast in fact i felt bad for travolta thinking like if if he is in fact a closeted gay man as has been suggested by the Many tabloid times. Pr- press yeah say does he feel bad appearing into the film that has so much humor based on the idea of just panicking whenever like someone thinks that you might it's be like, gay do you remember if you guys remember that the candy bar commercial where the two guys are eating the candy bar from either end and they actually was a kiss? super bowl commercial yeah yeah, yeah. and then they start hitting themselves with wrenches and car batteries because <laughs> they're so they need to push this gay moment out of their bodies that um, this movie was kind of like that at times yeah well the idea of being gay the idea of being thought of as gay was so repugnant to them. Although, to be fair, John C. Uh, McKinley was coming on to them in a way that made it seem like if was they it? didn't very actively say they weren't gay or come up with a side story, he would have raped them. Yeah. So. Well, that was alarming, but don't, don't let's not get ahead of <laughs> ourselves. Also, it does imply also that there are gay cops roaming the countryside looking for men to... But during the rapes, there would have been attack. like a tin whistle sound. You know what I mean? There was, there was, there was yeah, a exactly. lot of, you know, it was, it was wacky. I'm just saying, John Travolta, don't, don't hate yourself to appear in Wild Hogs. Don't like... Like, don't punish yourself in that yeah. way. It's if, not if worth Wild it. Hogs Two, the script comes across your desk. Turn it down. Even wilder. Now, you, yeah. when you bring Wild up the, Hogs Two, I more mean, wild, more have, hog. You know, he seems to have moved on. He was in Hairspray playing the divine role. So, and now he's going to be in Bolt playing a dog. So. Yeah. But anyway, but 
but he had the worst life, and Martin Lawrence had sort of a bad life in that his how-to book was going nowhere. Yeah, his how-to book was going nowhere, and on the side, he was like a janitor who cleaned up shit-filled oh, uh, right. restrooms in, in convenience stores. So that's that's not very good. And his wife was always mad at him, and right. But and there was there was so much shit in the bathroom. <laughs> That they had to put not one but two strings of police tape. Yeah, it was a criminal amount of shit. I, I mean, su- it's possible someone might have shat themselves to death. Like I there assume could be a pile. Maybe they died and evacuated. It was on just the like in Ed the Happy Clown. Yikes! The Chester Brown that, comic strip. That's a really obscure reference to make. Whatever, but I, I assume he's the guy the police call in when, when the place <laughs> is so dirty that it's breaking a law. But you know. Um, William H. Macy is clearly just sort of a clumsy dork. That's the worst you could say about him. Yeah. And Tim Allen... And with seemingly no experience with women. Tim Allen is a dentist. Granted, dentist, you know, high suicide rates, but a well-paying <laughs> is job. Is that true? Is no, that's true. It's oh. a very high suicide rate uh, job. Uh, and why, and why because that? of that, it's like movie shorthand for depressed guy. Yeah. Um, I guess because you got your hands in someone's mouth all the time. I mean, it seems like it's yeah, not, it's yeah, like not a pleasant. great line of work. I mean, but Alan However, Arkin, Alan Arkin was happy with it. Yeah. yeah, in the in-laws, Alan Arkin was very happy being a dentist. However, though, Tim Allen, uh, in the medical field, obviously well off, has a beautiful house, has a gorgeous wife, you're and saying, Jill Hennessy. You're saying they should have made him a proctologist. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> that would have been that much worse if they were going to go for a zany medical <laughs> field. Yes. Yeah, why not? Well, they, his he's unhappy because his son doesn't think he's cool. Right. Is that why? I mean, I'm going to turn 27 in a couple months. I have. To, I assume that... Your son doesn't think so you're So cool. I don't have a child, but when I have a child someday, I could be a rock star astronaut who has a dinosaur that he rides to work, and I assume my son will still find me uncool. That's just what being a dad means. Like, yeah. that's... But apparently it creates so much distress in him that he has to drop everything. This, this is an audio podcast, but I would like to bring up the point that uh, Elliot made that point while wearing a shirt of a vampire riding a dinosaur <laughs> true. to work. That's a, that's that a is, coincidence. Yeah. That's just a coincidence. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Aren't, aren't there UFOs in that shirt, too? Yeah, well, this is... Uh, and this, zombies? This is one of the best shirts that Threadless has to offer. It's UFOs, zombies, and dinosaurs and a vampire. What sold it for me was the vampire riding the dinosaur. Mm-hmm. So, podcast Threadless.com, anyway, that's so... That's your sort of thing, so... I realized I was basically describing Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> uh, but, but even Peter Weller's children probably think he's not cool. Yeah. Well, let, let me put this to the table. We talked a little <laughs> bit about the, the gay panic. <laughs> Let's thing. put this to, cir- to the panel. To circle around to the, the, the gay panic issue. It, well, you talk about the candy bar thing where they, they yeah. do the gay panic. They talk about all this gay panic. It feels to me like they're echoing a scene uh, in Planes, Trans, and Automobiles. That I think worked pretty well. You know what we're yeah. talking about? The, I don't remember that's that not scene. Uh, put two my pillows. hand between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. Oh. They go nuts. They run around. They talk about wanting to watch sports. Somehow that scene comes off like two men who maybe are scared of homosexuality, well, and it's it's funny that they are scared let me, of it. Let me put Why this does in, that scene work and nothing in this, this, would, this movie? I would say for one thing that the talent involved in that scene is... Also, well, you know, let me, let William me, H Macy is a talented actor. I mean, yeah, that's true. Let me put this out there. Though, Tim Allen guys. has made good comedies. We're all pretty liberal people at this table. However, we're all voting for Obama. If you know. I woke up next to either of you with my hand between your buttocks, I might be a little uh, distressed. But yeah, I might overcompensate. You would, you would be I more. Think dis- that that's that that's like something that like anyone can relate to. There's no. There's, there's not necessarily like some sort of inherent prejudice involved in that scene it's more of like this is an absurdly uncomfortable situation that we need to cover up for rather than like at any moment in this movie they appear to have hair triggers of people thinking that they're gay mm-hmm. 
And I need to overreact to that. I'm saying that if you guys were thinking of uh, placing so, so, your buttocks around my hand at any point. <laughs> around your hand. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're saying that it would be... I would object to that. It'd, it'd be very easy to laugh it off as, a, as something that would happen, and that'd be awkward is what you're saying. Right. Or, or, or that there's it's not so much the homosexual aspects of it as that kind of intimate contact out of nowhere and by surprise... It's uncomfortable. Is, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Especially, yeah. especially with someone who you're not romantically involved. Whereas this this movie has a scene in which... How many fingers are we talking about? Let's keep <laughs> yeah, going. Let's four, keep going. Four in the stank or five in the stank? Uh, I don't if, think the, it... if the thumb is involved, <laughs> the, all right. Now you see we're doing it. But what if, We've become what we love. But what if it's two fingers from one hand and three fingers from another hand? Does that is that different? Better Speaking or worse? Speaking of gay, though... <laughs> I, I, Wild hogs. We, <laughs> oh, by the way, this is a family film. This was yeah. released as a family film. There are tons a lot of, of a lot of male ass, though. And I a can, lot of male ass, and a lot of sweat. Like they say the word asshole probably twenty times. The word mm-hmm. shit probably fifteen times. Like, and I can only assume that the gay panic is what makes it a family film. Like the people in the heartland, <laughs> like the dads are like, I'm going to take my kids to that Wild Hogs because that's a movie about people who are terrified of the gays. Look, see that up there, son. That's how you react in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tremendous amount of classic rock in that movie too however well, that, yeah. uh, sort of the, whatever the boilerplate music you what are some of the titles that we heard although we, I don't think they played Born to be Wild mm. did they to be fair the you DVD think, broke at the end that's would, true they probably ended with that yeah we, we fuzzed out a little in the end but uh, <laughs> as, as we were saying we reached Wild Hogs' kill screen <laughs> and the DVD could go no further mm-hmm. no there one's was, ever gotten that far there was the film Who Wild Do You Hogs. Love there was uh, uh, oh Jesus God uh, what's the one they didn't play Bad to uh, the On a Steel play. Horse I Ride, oh, yeah. On a Dead or Alive Dead or by Bon Jovi. They yeah. did that one. Pretty much any stock like rock, Highway to Hell. Highway to yeah, hell. Highway to Hell they did. Any stock rock and roll uh, rock and roll song that might have any Slow Ride. Yeah, anything that would involve riding or... riding or driving or biking. There's an 85 to 90% chance that it was in this movie. Basically, the soundtrack producer for this movie had the easiest job in movie history. <laughs> They just gave it over to the soundtrack 3000, the the magical computer. <laughs> Andre 3000 son, soundtrack 3000, who does Hollywood soundtracks. Yeah. Um, Andre, can we borrow your kid for a little bit? Sure. Soundtrack, you got a summer job. We made reference to um, John C. McGinley and to Gay Panic, and the, the thing was, uh, early in the film... As if, you said it as if they were both people. <laughs> You know, gay panic. <laughs> the uh, popular drag queen. Uh, drag queen. Yeah, <laughs> opening for Head of Lettuce, I believe. Um, excellent. Yeah. The, the, oh, but Ed the Happy Clown. I can't make a reference to that. That's too obscure. Anyway, you were saying Head of Lettuce was on Project Runway. That's a, <laughs> that's a national show. Um, yeah. Early in their adventures, um, they camp out, and uh, William H Macy manages to wing a flaming marshmallow into their oh, no. tent. No, Tim Allen does that. Right, no, Tim, I, Allen Tim, Allen Tim Allen does that. He pulls that. You're a marshmallow. William H Macy has a bag of shit that yeah. um, he shits Macy... in a wood. If the, if you're wondering whether William H Macy shits in the forest, <laughs> the answer, the answer is, is yes. yes. Tim Allen uh, pulls a marshmallow out of the fire and he goes, and it's on fire, and he goes, "Whoa, well, this one's done," or something like that, and flings it over <laughs> his shoulder, and it luckily it just hits their tent and burns that to the ground. But he could have destroyed a forest. <laughs> and like, as I made the point, it I went, went right camping. through the tent. Yeah, well, I think it was so the marshmallow was so hot. I have like, to. So the tent could have been made out of spun sugar, and yeah. maybe it just, you know. I went camping literally last weekend, and I made s'mores. And when a marshmallow is on fire, you just blow that fucker out, <laughs> and you eat it. It has a delicious charred exterior, and the inside is melty. You're not like, oh, well, this is ruined. 
don't well, know. You know I, that, I like a golden brown marshmallow. That I don't was, have a problem with him flinging. You know, you're out on your own. <laughs> with your, you're with the wild hogs. You got something on fire. You're going to throw it. All right, but here's what my problem you, is. If you're going to throw a marshmallow that's on fire, at least you throw it so you can see the yeah, flaming trajectory of, of, of that's what awesome. you're doing. It's yeah. like a mini comet. Mm-hmm. Well, the point is, anyway, he of burns deliciousness. the tent. Yeah. <laughs> the, but that was a funny moment because he is sitting there talking about a fire and then suddenly pulls a flaming marshmallow out of marshmallow out of nowhere into camera range. So that was kind of funny that something on fire popped up out of nowhere. But, yeah. you know. Meh. Very few listen, groin shots. For wi- in this listen, movie. for wild hogs, it, it was wild hogs funny. It wasn't, you know. It was. It was wild hogs funny. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that's so Raven. Like, but anyway, it, it was when you're in a desert and there's like a puddle of water that someone peed in, and you're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I'm dying. The point so, is, like, after burning the tent down, they all, of course, sleep together on uh, on the on, ground on the ground together, and it implies John C. that they McGinley only shows up. Well, uh, by the way, the tent would was smaller than where they were sleeping. I mean, no would they, they would have well, slept also, together anyway in the tent, wouldn't they have? I mean, I, I guess maybe there was a second tent that they forgot to put up, and that scene was cut. Maybe, and it's on the DVD now. I don't know. The point is, re- John C. McGinley <laughs> shows up as a cop, and you think he's going to be this like the gay hating cop. Mm-hmm. There's there's a series of wacky um, things that they say, very threes company sort of. Oh, my jaw hurts from all the blowing I yes, did. Yes, he was because blo- he was blowing on the fire and it hurt his jaw. And also yeah. the uh, like, no, no one was meant to have something that big between their legs, you know, something mm-hmm. about the motorcycle. But it turns out that John McGinley, after threatening them with <laughs> lewd, with <laughs> with crime, with, yeah, with crime. charges, criminal charges, mm-hmm. uh, it turns out that he, which is, as far as he knew, they were guilty of. Yeah. Turns out he's out and proud and wants to join in the orgy. So it was a similar turn to that one episode of Studio sixty where uh, Nate Cordry was pulled over by John Goodman as the Hick Sheriff, and John Goodman's like, "Now I'm gonna throw you, New York boy, in jail." No, that's what you think I'm gonna say. Actually, it was that same exact turn, but pulled off just as poorly. So, <laughs> hmm. except in Studio sixty, it was done to make a point, I guess, about anti small town prejudice. So the point is. Uh, even though John C. McGinley was really nice and not charging them with crimes, uh, they all tore away on their motorcycles, terrified that the gay man might uh, attack them. He is a Did big they? guy, they, they ran away they, from him? They, well, they, they, they biked away from uh, they him? They actually, because they, I, I think, told him, they implied that they were two gay couples and that there was no room for him. Right. And then they got the hell out of there. I think they implied it, though, through uh, William H. Macy's total misunderstanding of it. Like, he's just like an innocent. His character doesn't... He's the Harpo Marks yeah. of the group. John McGinley says five is a crowd. And then right. um, Travolta says, no, it's an odd number if you know what I mean. Oh. I so, I mean, that. does that mean that the, I mean, they the two guys are going to pair off and, and, and be having anal sex with each other? Or, you know, 69ing. Anything or 69ing? Do. Why yeah. do you but, but, assume it's anal sex, Rich? <laughs> Come on. Is this your impression of gay men? Well, I mean, just that, anal sex. It could just no, be no. Frottish. That's exactly my point. I mean, you know, we could do. I don't see why one more in a reach around is going to hurt anybody. All right, fair enough. By the way, I didn't want to go there. You pressed me. You pressed <laughs> but me. But that's not the and scene. I went there. That's not the scene with the male nudity. The is the strange is thing. About. There's also a scene where they go skinny dipping in a lake, where you see far more of them than you want to. Yeah, if if there are any ladies out there who are real do you Macy see any fans, real you, William H. Macy, oh, you see fans, William H. Macy's yeah. butt. That's true. You see his ass. Uh, and you're tired of watching occasions. the cooler over and over again. Yeah. This is your other choice. I don't know when that day will come. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's another scene of Panic where they, they all 
start skinny dipping together and a family comes up and rescinds their offer of potato salad once they realize that they're all nude mm-hmm. and then john c mcginley shows up again also nude also nude and what's but what it them. implies is that he was watching them from i guess a rock somewhere <laughs> he's been following nude them through several i assume states, i assume he was just masturbating while watching them and then he's like oh i need i i actually need to get in need there to get on the sweet action check out william h Mason. and then of course rule of threes and comedy the third time something happens is the funny time. John C. McGinley never shows up again <laughs> throughout the film. Two appearances, then he's done. Oh, and uh, we forgot in the beginning they all choose to throw away their cell phones. Yes, that's in a very contrived job. bit of business. Yeah. yeah, so if you were wondering, hey, this is a modern film. They seem like they're getting into a lot of shenanigans. Why don't they just call someone? But then even then, there's no moments where it's like, uh-oh, if we had a, uh, no, we had a cell phone, everything would be okay. There are scenes that it would have been better off if they had had a cell right. phone. Like there's a part where they get past, they leave a gas station because they're John Travolta is being afraid they're being chased by the bikers whose bar he blew up by accident. They see it, they drive, they leave this gas station, and then you see the sign, last gas station for 200 miles. Cut to them walking their bikes through the desert, complaining about how thirsty they are. Then all of a sudden they look with a, with a vulture, a with a vulture, vulture following standing them. Standing by. Then they look to the side, and there's a whole town there, <laughs> and that with and like there's a diner right there. Like they've they've managed to walk 200 miles with their bikes in the same day that you know well, that was... introduces the third act of the film but before we get to that like we want to i'm just amazed at this herculean feat of these four middle-aged men w- walking their bikes 200 miles in one day you're saying that songs should be sung of the wild Hogs. this is an epic feat yeah like that like that's the israelites had about the same distance to travel and it took them 40 years that's well, the Israelites. Unfortunately, they didn't have the Lazy. wild hogs. To leave. I, I was trying to think of a Semitic wild hogs pun. I don't know that I can. <laughs> well, the, yeah, they couldn't call themselves wild hogs because it wouldn't be kosher. Yeah. I was hoping it wasn't going to be that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only one I could think of. So earlier in the film, before they reached this town, though, they managed to run afoul of uh, Ray Liotta <laughs> and his cronies. I'm right back. I'm just some more water. Ellie's leaving right in the middle of the podcast, everyone. I think he's offended because we were talking about Jews. So Ray Liotta and his cronies. <laughs> Ray Liotta and his cronies. Uh, what happens is uh, they get into they go to a real biker bar and Ray Liotta dresses them down for being suburban posers, and and we need Elliot to describe the the, the Ray Liotta laugh. I mean, and, and I guess we all knew this already, <laughs> this but just it's, it's tough to do in in radio. But it's, it's hard to it's hard because you got to see it really. But Ray Liotta has a special laugh where he opens his mouth and doesn't move it, moves no muscles on his face, and just goes. <laughs> It's just a frightening laugh because it's literally like he's just opening his mouth and then shooting cannon fire of laughs out of his face. There's no – it's not like a ha, ha, ha. Like it's just like propelling it's a, laughs it's a at him. gun And he looks so – Jowless yeah, is what it is. Yeah. It, it, the jaw locks <laughs> like it's a snake if, shooting venom. But yes, it's exactly. Just, he's like a ventriloquist dummy in the open position. But also – and his yeah. face gets so intense while he's doing it even though it's not moving that you think he's going having a heart attack. It, you think it's Wallace Shawn in The Princess Bride laughing as he's being poisoned to death <laughs> and then falling falls over like that's what you expect oh i can say one more thing about this biker bar it's a real biker bar real tough full of bikers strewn with christmas lights around because biker bars look basically like uh, girls college dorm rooms mm. yeah but they run afoul of these guys ray Liotta dresses them down for being not real bikers which to be honest they, they are not fair enough they are not real bikers. fair enough ray Liotta. guilty um, as charged and so he tricks them into a trade for a like shitty bike, like a disassembled bike. And so like they go off, the wild hogs go off cowed, and then 
John Travolta turns back. He's like, no, I, this will not stand. W- William H. Macy, by the way, is in a sidecar. Yeah. And I think it, it's possible that there are jokes that must have been cut out with, with Macy in the sidecar. Why would you put Macy in the sidecar? Yeah. The I, think that's, I think that's like a Hollywood saying. Like, never put Macy in the sidecar <laughs> unless you got a gag. But, um, yeah. They've no, been Travolta, saying that for 80 years. <laughs> Travolta goes back to the I think the it was place. Buster Keaton who said that first. <laughs> And he clips all of their fuel lines, and Leota runs out. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna get those wild hogs! <laughs> Confound them!" And they I wouldn't drive have gotten on. away with it, you too, if weren't you wild hogs. And they try to get. <laughs> <laughs> they try and give chase. The only, the only, the only time it's okay to laugh like that is when Joe Pesci has just said something. <laughs> That's the only okay time when it's right. They try and give chase, but uh, Leota manages to set uh, the gas aflame, and all of their bicycles blow up. And, and the bar. And the bar blows yeah, up, too. Yeah, the bar. As, as I said at the time, that's someone's business. <laughs> yes. Dan, was, Dan, being a uh, <laughs> really a champion of the small business owner, really took it to bike. heart that, that this roadhouse owner's livelihood had just gone up in flames. So John Travolta feels very guilty, possibly thinking that he's murdered all of these <laughs> bikers. Well, the us, the audience, we're not sure whether he's murdered them or not. Like a lot, a lot of times, you'll get in a funny commercial that has violence in it. They will something horribly violent will happen to someone. They will show the name of the product, and then immediately afterwards, you will see them get up and dust themselves off. And you yeah. see, it's okay that I just did something horribly violent. You can for a buy Bud my Light. product. Don't yes. worry. Yeah, I'm okay. This film had John Travolta. Put gas all over the place. He drives off. You see them drop a cigarette. Huge explosion. Gasoline. Entire bar blows up. Travolta sees it in the review mirror, as do we, the audience, and it keeps following the wild hogs. Like the end of Mad Max, basically. They've, he's, he's just committed multiple murders. <laughs> At yeah. the very least, he's blown up a building, which is a crime. Say, say what you will about them getting put up on these, on these bogus sodomy charges. He did just destroy <laughs> private property in a really dangerous way. Yeah. Know? So, but he keeps this from them, and then eventually they, they wind up at this town. This is where they meet called Madrid. Yeah, they meet Stephen Toblerowski, who's the sheriff. They meet the Sklar brothers, who are the deputies. Marissa Tomei, a local diner owner. Yeah, who William H Macy finally has sex with. One has to imagine <laughs> it's for implied. the first time in his life. <laughs> After an, an impromptu dance lesson that lasts thirty seconds, and, and he's ready. Yeah, then he's an expert dancer, and he's he's ready to romance her at the chili cook-off. <laughs> By the way, it's, there's there's a, a one, one good line uh, in this for Steve. It, what is, I always forget, Toblowski, mm-hmm. his name, where he uh, he's talking about they have to go to the chili cook-off. Last year, a guy his uh, ate ch- chili that was too hot, and his throat started bleeding. Changed his life. And that's his only explanation. <laughs> Changed his life. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's Wild Hogs funny. <laughs> that's Wild Hogs. I just like any of the lines that don't kind of don't make sense, you know, or they hint at a bigger story. Do you think it's possible that they Tom shot Peterson. a lot of these, uh, the montages of them riding bikes, mm-hmm. and then they put them together in, in scenes and kind of said, let's let these guys improv, and maybe they'll come up with some entertaining comedy based on their characters. And then they came up with nothing. And then so they were like, I guess just do the gay sketch. Yeah. And John Travolta came up with a character that was completely different from scene to scene. <laughs> like as boring as all the characters were, John Travolta's character had no arc. He had no arc, but he was also somewhat insane. Yeah. Like he would re- he would get really angry for no reason. He berated he- a child in the beginning. That was- berated a child, yeah. 
Uh, it was a joke because he was talking on a cell phone. You assumed it was a professional business entanglement. No. And it no. was a child that was raking his overlarge lawn. That's the comic twist. Mm-hmm. That was where, the, where the funny comes in. The, the, audience, hugs. the audience grabs their belly and goes, ooh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> Wild hogs. I didn't see that coming. Right in the bread basket. <laughs> the movie suddenly turns into uh, like a sub um, Three Amigos, aka uh, Seven Samurai style, or Walking Tall, yeah, or well, the Wild One. But they come in like the, the, the in that there's a town in all of those movies. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a town <laughs> being terrorized by a gang, and then some out of towners. This time, have to the, come the town in really wasn't being terrorized by the gang until the out of towners came in. No, but there was some discussion. It was the town implied. was initially terrorized by the wild hogs, as you will remember. Yes, it's they, the first stop off for 200 miles without gas. Excuse me, they were only terrorized <laughs> because they thought that there were the Del Fuegos, which was Ray Liotta's gang. Ray no, Liotta's they gang. came in. They came in drinking so, beer, started and, stealing and, people's. Yes. But, beers, but the only reason they were scared harassing of them the families they thought that was Delfegos, and then they realized oh no these are people who will pay for that beer oh <laughs> yeah so they, i didn't get that so they thought it was the Delfegos yeah. first yeah. and yeah. then they realized oh wait these guys are just fucking assholes <laughs> so it's better these guys are dicks who these are unaffiliated assholes right yeah but the Delfegos come by looking for to bruise some people and the wild hogs definitively <laughs> defeat them by getting punched a lot <laughs> they well they make the diner their target they say yeah. we're gonna destroy your diner because you destroyed our clubhouse and uh the wild hogs stand up for the diner and get punched a lot and they keep getting back up and keep getting punched and this goes on for what like four hours well they also stand up for the larger <laughs> concept of wild hogs they're yeah. standing up for yeah. the hog on the back of the jacket like, is more important than the name on the front it's That's like really a uh, going on it's there. like an old marvel comic where like thor and hercules would be punching each other but they'd be talking about their life philosophies at the same time so i say thee nay a man's freedom must be decided by his wits not his fists punches hercules hercules no Oh, it is Braun that shall win this day. You know, punches. It was kind of like that, except the Wild Hogs were doing all the talking and Ray Liotta was doing all the punching. Yeah. Well, there was an epiphany at one point where they <laughs> decided that, that it was, in fact, the biker gang that, was, that were the posers because they didn't have jobs right. and espoused the very lifestyles that they had wanted at the beginning This is of where the movie. we get a little fuzzy on the plot of Since Wild the DVD Hogs. was breaking DVD down. Starts breaking down. It didn't, no, but we it, were clear it, it, up to that point because they decided, no, wait, the, the way we should settle this because we're not posers is through violence. That's what we should do. We right. should we should fight. Yeah, we'll fight for real. And then they realize it's stupid to fight because we these guys are losers, even though they're beating us up. The DVD just sort of right, started like pixelating. It was like yeah. a, like the psychedelic freak out in the middle of the end of Wild Hogs, which is sort of pleasant. <laughs> It sort of gave it a little... It was sort of like when that cat walks by in the Matrix and then walks by again and you realize there's a serious problem. Of course, I realized that early on. When, when like, your family's having a get-together and you've got to take the train to get there and it turns out the trains aren't running that day and you're like, yay, I can stay home. (laughs) That's what it felt like to me. The end of Wild Hogs. We don't have to really watch it. (laughs) But they are saved by... And they get saved by Peter Fonda. They're saved by a ghost of biker movies past Peter Fonda Mm -hmm. whose triumphant speech at the end we lost most of because the disc was... (laughs) pixelating but it turns out he's Ray Liotta's dad he founded the Del Fuegos and then he left it because he would decide to be a loner didn't they mention him wasn't there a foreshadowing earlier in the film yeah they mentioned this this epic creator something or other yeah Dirk Thunderboots the funny thing is, like, if people if, if people haven't seen Easy Rider, monster I pants, I like feet. to imagine yeah. that um, that people who haven't seen Easy Rider watch the end of this Wait, movie. By which you would mean the audience of this film, because it was for children right. for the most part. Mm-hmm. No, but I like to imagine those people are like, 
Oh, it's the guy from Ghost Rider. That's what they're making reference to. <laughs> that other biker film, Ghost Rider. Oh, Peter Fonda from the famous biker movie Ghost Rider. <laughs> and that is, well, that's an interesting question. Is is it for kids or is it for middle-aged men? You feel like there's a lot of jokes in the beginning of the film where they're it trying feels... to appeal to the middle-aged man, the, the baby boomer that maybe is now taking his kids to the film. I don't think it's for... Uh, well, it's really for retarded people. Yeah. <laughs> really stupid people who don't like jokes. <laughs> and then at the end, their wives. I mean, what all this movie is really for is for overseas sales and airplane showings. Yeah, this you know? is a really great airplane movie. This is, a, or it's a movie this that will. Fantastic this movie, movie will live on on TBS and TNT for years to come, alternating with the Green Mile and the Shawshank Redemption. And I have to say, at the very end, all the wives show up in a minivan to be like, "What have you been doing?" But I have no idea how they found them because they threw away their cell phones and they've been driving on a cross country, like coast to coast road trip. So I have no idea. Like they like they could directly, be like they've gone to every town in U- the U.S. They could just be big fans of the Del Fuegos and they saw on the website that they were after the wild hogs. <laughs> oh, the Del Fuegos are fighting the wild hogs in Madrid. <laughs> we were on delfuegos.org. It's supposed to be <laughs> delfuegos.edu. <laughs> .gov (laughs) (laughs) Maybe CNN was covering the story I don't know Ira Glass did a piece about it on This American Life but anyway, we should wrap. Yeah, up. we should wrap this up because you. Uh, I've got to go. I have a. I have to get up early in the morning for my seven a.m. flight to Santa Barbara, California. Yeah, you. Um, I have le- no such good excuse. I lead a glamorous life. You've been out of town, as we said, covering the conventions. Maybe later on you'll favor us with some stories. I won't make them. You tell them. Oh now. sure, we could do. We could do a Flophouse non-movie minute sometime. Um, or I can talk about working with Ian McShane. That's right from Deadwood. Uh, Ian McShane. You may know him as you may know him the as ghost and scoop the go- the ghost and scoop or the evil polar bear in the golden compass. Well, we'll get to that later. Actually, let's go to fi- final judgments on this film. Was this a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie that you actually genuinely liked in some way, Elliot? I'm gonna say this was a bad bad movie, not only because it wasn't funny, but because it like failed at the very rudimentary tasks of giving its characters personalities and then giving them things to do. Like, it would be so easy just to have made one guy the sports nut, and, like, one guy is the rock and roll fan, and, like, this other guy, you know, he loves, I don't know, surfing, but instead they kind of vague, drab, middle-aged men. Felt like a Raymond Carver story in that way. Yeah, I'm going to say... Um, but in a bad way. If you have friends that enjoy, like, watching shitty movies, this might be a marginal good-bad movie, just because I feel like it is such a compendium bad comedy cliches like every bad comedy cliche you could imagine might be in a movie most of them show up here not Mm -hmm. not all like like it's not the perfect storm of like like bad comedies but it could have been written by yeah i don't think there are any screenplay writing computer i don't think there are any fart jokes in it are there yeah, but especially since they go to a fucking crotch. chili festival. That is what extraordinary. What the fuck? They go to a chili festival and there aren't any farting jokes. All right, you convinced me. I, I've changed. God. It's a bad, bad movie. I don't know. I feel like it's uh, like well, let's take the, the the when he gets hit in the face with a raven. Okay, right. I'm watching the film and it was one guy gets hit with a bug, mm-hmm. then another guy gets hit with and oh, is it funny? He got hit with a bug. Other guy gets hit with a lot of bugs. I said in jest in making fun of the funny bad movie. Hey, wouldn't it be funny if he got hit in the face with a goose? All right. Now he's hit in the face with a raven, but they he doesn't fall off his bike. The raven The raven is, is still is like, alive. There's a shot of the raven. like they, it takes four shots and four cuts to get this piece of physical comedy across. All you need is a, a white blur and a poof of feathers and then he's down and you you got 
a half decent. So I feel like there are some jokes in here, but it's like the when you go to the optician and they put the thing over your eyes and they just go better or better, better or better. And I think this is two clicks away from funny, but the funny <laughs> is there. Like you just, I don't know. I don't know what that means, but take it, take, take well, it for he, what it is. I'll sum it up this way. I think that uh, for me, it was a, a good bad movie in that it's fun to participate in the flop house. Right. And, you know, it, it's like uh, getting a chance to meet Bruce Springsteen. Like if you got a chance to meet Bruce Springsteen and they said, hey, you want to come meet Bruce Springsteen? I'd say, yes, that'd be a good time. And they'd say, just come on over and he's going to slam your hand in a desk drawer five <laughs> or six times. And I'd be like, I don't know whether I would like that. Thanks for coming over. Yeah. It's nice to meet you. Yeah. And he's explaining. I appreciate that you're doing this. I just like it. Bang. <laughs> Bang. And it's he's the boss. He's explaining to you the moment you know when he wrote I, Born yes. to Run. You know, and you're like, this is uncomfortable and I don't enjoy it, but this is still somehow a pleasurable <laughs> experience. To be born in the USA is really, <laughs> ah, ah, my hand. Reason. Bang. Bang. For some reason, every Bang. time he slams your, your hand, he yells Thunder Road. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I would hate it. It would really hurt my hand a lot, but... At the end of the day, I would walk away saying, you know what? I just met fucking Bruce Springsteen. I met the boss. And they'd be like, why is your hand in a cast? I'll be like, I'll tell you later. That's right. the flop house. That's pretty good. All right, I'll take that. It was no Bratz movie. I'll tell you that, yeah, Wild Hogs. It was not any Bratz movie. You guys watched the Bratz movie? I don't wait. That, was, that ended up being, so, it was a terrible movie, but it ended up being so much a, more a, entertaining. A documentary from Wisconsin about sausage preparation. I'm rating of <laughs> this, one to ten. The Bratz movie. Bratz. Uh, this ranks uh, 6.5. And yet rats. it was much easier to watch than 10,000 BC. Oh, to- so much more. Don't. <laughs> America, if it comes down to a choice between 10,000 BC <laughs> and, wild hogs, and Wild Hogs, I never thought I would ever say this, but choose Wild Hogs over the movie where they fight mammoths and giant birds. So if you're in a public library in a small town in Indiana <laughs> and there's four videotapes on the shelf, you're going to want to pick Wild Hogs. DVDs. Probably videotapes, yeah. actually. Yeah. So um, you can either watch Brideshead revisited the PBS series again, or I guess it was BBC, or you can watch Wild Hogs or Ten Thousand BC. Let's move briefly to business uh, before we do our recommendations, <laughs> um, gentlemen. Dividends are down this quarter. No, no. I want uh, first of all, we it's talked about your day job briefly, Elliot. I want to extend congratulations to you. Elliot has been hired on as a writer mm-hmm. uh, for the Daily Show. Huzzah! He had been Thanks. producing there, uh, and now um, it's basically your—it's your basic Horatio Alger story. Started as an intern, worked up to being a writer. It really is. Someday though. I'll I be mean, president, like, president of television. You know, um, very fun time to be writing on that show. I would imagine. I'm, uh, no, but I got—I got to say, it is a testament to uh, the work ethic because, uh, <laughs> no, because I'm—I'm because I could have given up. I'm bitter that I—I'm <laughs> bitter that I don't have like a good comedy writing job. But what the fuck have I ever done? Well, you've... you, on the other hand, like started off as like what, like a like a PA on the show. I was an intern at the show, yeah, and then they hired me as a PA, your and then way all the way up to a writer, PA to AP and to that, segment producer. That's to... genuinely admirable. Well, thank you. So um, this is Dan's well way of asking you if you can get an intern gig. <laughs> yes, I, I'll see if I can get you an internship. You need to get I'm school credit way for past it. the point where that would be uh, tenable. But you'd um, be surprised. Anyway, well, we'll get we'll get interns in, and it's like. Hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, well, I'm. I went back to school to get my degree. I'm 35. Oh, okay. What are you studying? Not something TV production related. <laughs> well, that's very strange. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, but you were saying. No, I, I was pretty much done. I was okay. congratulating you. Thanks. On your take on that, your good Stuart work. Wellington. Yeah. Manager. He's off doing business somewhere. And look at Elliot. I just heard he has a cool little uh, like a role playing store, right? Is yes, that- he's a strategy gamer. 
Speaking of gay, I, like here's here's how here's how pathetic I am. I think that's awesome. No, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> no, no, I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a good man, and uh, he's I, a great well, guy. I, great I think he's gamer. a huge dick. I just think he has a cool job. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Fine. He's a terrible human being. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> we were just looking for a reason to um to work this piece of information into the the podcast, though, and that's and that's that we look at you know you look at stats. For how people come to the Flophouse website, you can like look at the stats <laughs> mm. and like what keywords get that get you there. And um, the keywords Stuart Wellington gay, <laughs> that was me, and gay Stuart Wellington have brought the first one was me. I can't say for the someone second. to the site. So whoever Stuart Wellington's gay admirer <laughs> is out there, we want you to contact. The, he's gotten the show. he's gotten straight admirer letters before. Yeah, he has gotten these. Some some girl is uh, totally in love with him. So now we. By need the way, that guy. G- that gay joke I just made that was uh, gay panic. It was a little bit of gay panic right there on my part. Panic. It backfired. Yeah. Tonight at Southpaw, gay panic. <laughs> <laughs> Opener Murray Hill. Anyway, um, Murray Hell. So let's go on to uh, what was the other thing I wanted to say? What was the other bit oh, of business? The the Uva Bowl contest. It's pronounced Uva? Yeah, it's pronounced Uva. I didn't this know. This is that. the video game director guy? Yeah. Uva? Ooh, really? I always said Uva. I mean, it is it is German, so it makes sense that it would I be know a this because of I, a he actually I was guess, on but... a screenwriting podcast I listened to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know wow. why one would want to take advice from Uva Bowl, but he was on there. So. The I now own Wild Hogs because our local <laughs> DVD store is going out of business. And, a screenwriting podcast. Wow. And I tried to rent this movie. Interior. Podcast recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> Two men sit at microphones talking about screenwriting. I tried to rent the film Wild Hogs for the purposes of making fun of it on this podcast, and I was not allowed to rent it. I could only purchase it. <laughs> um, so for $3, I now own Wild Hogs. I don't want to keep Wild Hogs, but the winner of the Uva Bowl contest, um, in addition to getting the first season of Rocky and Bullwinkle on DVD, you will now get a signed by the Flophouse copy of Wild Hogs, the, the very copy that we used to do this podcast. You could have sent that to the Smithsonian, to Planet Hollywood. You could have no. shot it into space as no. an artifact. No, Elliot, no. You could have buried it for in a time capsule for future generations could have to done discover. All those things. You could have, I mean, e- on the open market auction house, it easily oh would have fetched God. millions. You know, you know what you couldn't have done? Watched it again because it's defective. Yeah, it is defective. <laughs> it's a defective if DVD. The DVD is not going to. You can't watch the end of the film. You would have thought the only defect was that Wild Hogs was the movie that was recorded <laughs> on it, but it has more than one defect. Additional defects. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but if you just want a memento, then uh, enter the contest, and that will be added on to your prize. So with no extra charge. Let's rapidly because um, Elliot uh, gotta go. Gotta get out of here. Let's talk about recommendations, movies that we've seen recently that we actually enjoyed. Elliot, go. Uh, I haven't gotten to see too many movies recently. I was out of town for a couple weeks, and I didn't get to really watch much. Uh, but a movie I watched before I went out of town that enjoy- I enjoyed a lot was uh, The Honeymoon Killers, which uh, listeners to this podcast may have seen before, but I had not. In some ways, it's kind of like if John Waters had made a really creepy, dramatic film instead of a campy comedy. Uh, and not just because – well, may- a lot of it's because the-, the lead female in it is very overweight. But uh, – this overweight nurse and uh, her accented boyfriend. Basically, the boyfriend meets uh, Lonely Hearts women via personal ads. Then they go to the women's houses, murder them, and steal their money. And it, it's done in this very low-budget style that helps it a lot. But also, there's a lot of really great shots in it. It's beautifully shot. And the acting in it is very... Like, it reaches that really nice edge between 
extreme and realistic. Um, uh, but it was very good. I'd read a lot about it, but I'd never seen it before. But I enjoyed it greatly. Uh, I have a lot of movies that I could recommend, but in the interest of keeping it short, I'll quickly say that um, The Bank Job is a good like sort of like B thriller if you want to see that uh, of recent years. And also I watched The Naked Jungle, which was based on one of my favorite short stories as a kid, Line Engine versus the Ants, about a plantation owner who um, you know fights back against a horde of ravening ants that are threatening his uh, plantation. I always but, thought Lanigan. Yeah, well, uh, in the movie they pronounce it Lanigan. I, I always thought it was Studs Lanigan. <laughs> I thought it was Lonin- Longitude. <laughs> Uh, but the movie is sort of weird because it largely dispenses with the ants and is a sort of a melodramatic romance for, I would say, a good 75 minutes of its 90-minute runtime. But then the ants come in. Yeah, for the last 15 minutes, oh my god, they're ants. It's like a picnic. <laughs> but it's funny because... But like It's terrifying. It's like the movie picnic, picnic, but with ants at the end. Yeah, but the other stuff is good, too, because it's got... Charlton Heston acting like a dick. Like, it's not one of these movies where, like, the the guy's, like, a gruff guy, but you can see underneath it he's really good, and you can understand why the woman is falling for him. Honestly, Charlton Heston acts like a complete tool through most of this film, and it's kind of amusing. But also, the woman that he's called down to his plantation in South America to be his mail-order bride, uh, when she arrives, she sort of lets this young native boy carry her parasol, and the head of the plantation, like Charlton Heston's number two guy, is like, oh, do you want this uh, boy? Would you like this boy uh, for, for your own? And, and she's like, oh, would, won't his parents be upset if I take him? Like, No, they'll think it's a blessing. They'll just make more. And then she takes the kid. <laughs> she takes the kid with her. I don't know whether she's that guy, that kid's her slave now or what. <laughs> but it just seems like a very strange, uh, you know, indication of the time that the ever, movie was made. Did I ever tell you about the movie On Borrowed Time? Yeah. It sounds kind of like that. Lionel Barrymore is this guy who is very close with his grandson, and death comes and says, It's your time. You got to come now. And Lionel Barrymore is like, Forget it. I'm not going to die. Whatever. And then. His grandson... Like Seventh Seal School, Death shows up. The yeah. character playing Death, okay. Exactly. And then the, the grandson falls out of it. Like, Death tricks him into falling out of a tree, and he's on Death's door. And Lionel Barrymore's like, no, no, take me, take me, I'll go. And the, the movie ends with Lionel Barrymore and his grandson walking off to heaven together. And you're like, no, you're supposed to give your life to save the boy. Like, it's supposed to be an exchange. You're not supposed to die in addition to him. This is terrible. Seems like a shoddy deal. Yeah, not a great movie. Anyway. My turn for recommendations? Sure. I think I'll... Uh, this, this is one that, uh, again, film buffs who are, listen to this podcast may know it, but I th- I'm bringing it up with the uh, recent launch of the True Blood show on mm-hmm. uh, HBO. There's sort of a resurgence in the vampire genre, and uh, it made me think... Uh, I have not seen it yet, but someone who I respect a great deal has watched the premiere and said that it was schlocky and a little bit too... Look how sensual and sexy our vampires are it's and funny the schlock was what i really enjoyed about it oh have you seen i I've, i haven't seen it so to be fair it, it it very well may be okay but the the aggressive marketing campaign that's been barraging me for the past nine months has led oh, me it's to it's definitely schlocky yeah it, well it's, it's led me to it will have to be much much better than i expect for it to impress right. me at this point uh but anyway I, I just thought for looking back for actual really good creative vampire movies. One of the first movies that uh, put uh, Guillermo del Toro on the map is a movie called Kronos, mm-hmm. 
which is a Spanish movie. And this is, of course, uh, director of Pan's Labyrinth and um, Hellboy. Uh, Devil's Backbone. Well, Hellboy, sure, of course, Hellboy. Hellboy 2. Um, Hellboy 2. Blade yeah. 2. I like Blade 2, Yeah, actually. Blade 2 um, is certainly the best of the Blades. It is. It's the best of the Blade movies. Mimic. <laughs> <laughs> they took that movie away from him. I will say that. Okay. Uh that's another one of those movies that's based on a five-page short story. That How many happens. times have I told you people I don't want this show to be a referendum on me defending the film Mimic? <laughs> that's a fair point. You mentioned that before we started. Seven or eight times, at and, least. And someone that, Elliot, you and I have met uh, directed Mimic 3, so there's that. Who hmm. directed Mimic 3? J.T. Petty. Oh, I forgot J.T. directed that. Yeah. That's right. Newlywed J.T. Petty. Regardless. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Kronos, interesting film based on uh, ancient medieval technology and the vampire comes through this artifact that this grandfather finds and not to spoil the film, but it's a, a very, very interesting take in which the the grandfather finds himself embroiled in this situation and having to uh, raise a very small child at the same time and a lot of the same themes that you see in Pan's Labyrinth uh, in terms of childhood and innocence. Um and also on a very low budget, uh, very very worth uh, on Netflix. All right. If you if you ever saw Monster Squad and you were like, there must be a better way to make this movie. <laughs> Wait a minute. Kronos better than Monster way. Squad. If you saw I Monster Squad and said, I, I want to see a grandfather squad. licking blood off a bathroom floor. <laughs> Monster Squad is on the shelf behind you, Elliot. <laughs> That's so. Okay. I don't know what that proves. <laughs> Werewolf got nards. Werewolf mm-hmm. does have nards. Is it Wolfman? Maybe Wolfman. Wolfman. Wolfman's got nards. I'm the werewolf author. I. Scary German guy. Anyway, Mimic. Uh, <laughs> let's just. You know who's like, got. You know like who's a gotten psychedelic sh- recap of what we talked about. <laughs> you know who's gotten short shrift in this podcast? The director of Mimic Two. Hey, who's that yeah, guy? I don't even know. Yeah. Listen, if Charles S. Dutton's in. not in it, I'm call not into the show. It's not. It's, it's not a call in show, but call in. <laughs> call into the show that has no phone number. <laughs> Tell us who directed Mimic 2. But in the meantime, we just want to say, uh, again, congratulations to Elliot. Uh, again, uh, we miss uh, you, Stuart. I hope you're having a good time on your business trip. Yeah, and wherever again, you are. thank you to Rich for coming down and watching a movie that you you would not have enjoyed otherwise. I had a great time. So, uh, for the Flophouse, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Elliot Kalen. Good night. <laughs> That was Rich Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that Sarah Schaefer sang the song last time and she did it wrong. <sighs> Wild hogs. <laughs> Wild hogs can't be broken. That's what I always say. Well, they, they came pre-broken. Wild hearts can't be broken. The story of a woman who did something useless <laughs> and then kept doing it. <laughs> even when people told her to stop. If you like films about diving horses, then this is this is the one and only film for you. Are we on? Yeah, we're always on. (laughs) Sweet.